0: Seems like every time I get to the stand, it's after I've been been gone for Wednesday night and a Sunday and working. And but uh, <laughs> sure, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, you miss it when you can't be here. Uh, I tried to come there Sunday and wound up by the time service got started, had to leave. And uh, I tell you, it's heartbreaking. A uh, heart ought to be here. No matter where we are, our heart ought to be with, with our family and our loved ones here in the church, you know. I've got family here. i got I got blood family out there that uh, don't love me nothing like my church family. Uh, so it should mean everything in the world. But I appreciate uh, y'all allowing me to stand up here and give you what the Lord's put on my heart. Uh, we'll be in Second Samuel 18. And I'm going to try to get through this whole chapter and what the Lord's laid on my heart. And like I told you before, I do a lot of studying, a lot of, listen to a lot of sermons, read a lot of commentaries. And, uh, the Lord brought something out in, in this scripture here that just, uh, it was just amazed me. It blessed my heart. Uh, and I hope it, I hope somebody gets something out of it here tonight. Uh, but, uh, it's about justice and love. And, uh. Finding Christ in all the scriptures uh, from front to back of this book. I was talking to a lady today and said something about reading out of Samuel here. She said, the Old Testament? I was like, yes. She's like, well, we're in the New Testament. I hate to say it, but if we didn't have the Old Testament, we wouldn't have had the New Testament. Uh, And to me, it's just just as important. uh, Finding Jesus through all of it, because this is... This whole thing right here is his story. It's his story. It's all about him from front to back. Uh, And it's amazing to me, you know, trying to read through the scriptures and we read through these stories and these things here, here, as as analogies and metaphors and and all these different things to show us Jesus. You know, from, from Genesis 3, this promised seed, if anything, any person... Had to fell out of place from front to back of this book, it wouldn't have happened. And we've got to understand that that's all in the hand of God. That's, that's a big, big, big God that we serve. Uh, but looking through these, these scriptures, you know, especially in the Old Testament, you see, you see Christ in kind of four different aspects. You see him uh, in uh, prophecy, you see him in uh, lineage, in family the family tree, so to speak, and you see them in comparison and contrast. Tonight, going through chapter 18, I just want y'all to kind of look at some of these different ways we see Christ. Uh, Y'all are familiar, and I think last time I stood, I I brought out uh, the story of uh, a lot about David and Absalom. Uh, But looking at David's story, what happened with him his sin in uh, chapter 11 of, of Samuel there, and Chapter 12, when he was forgiven. Chapter 7, where the promise was uh, talked about, how God promised, you know, he, he was going to make him king and, uh, and restore this kingdom to him. Uh, but after his sin, the warning that came to him in chapter 12, and uh, one thing that really stood out was that, you know, God told him, or Nathan told him when he was confronted by Nathan that the sword would never depart from his house. Though God had forgiven his sin, the sword never departed from his house. And uh, though God forgives our sin, we live on the rest of our lives with the consequences of it. Lord knows I'm still dealing with a lot of consequences of the things I've done before the Lord saved my my unworthy soul. I want you to kind of think about those four things, you know, comparison, contrast, prophecy, and lineage. Uh, So let's go ahead. We'll start by reading here in chapter 18. And David numbered the people that were with him, and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part of the hand of Abishai, and the son of Zerariah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die, will they care for us. But now thou art worth ten thousand of us. Therefore now it is better that thou secure us out of the city. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best, I will do. And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. There was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under a thick bough of a great oak. His head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. And the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it, and told Joab, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an old oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our our hearing, the king charged thee, Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touched the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life, for there is no matter hid from the king. And thou thyself would have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom, while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about him and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel. For Joab held back the people And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him, and all Israel fled, every one to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and is called unto this day Absalom's place. Then said Amaz, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king tidings how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. But Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then said Amaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, But howsoever... Let, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore thou wilt thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings ready? And house, but howsoever said he, Let me run. And he said unto him, Run. Then Amaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai. David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up the roof over the gate unto the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running along. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running. The watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Me thinketh the running of the foremost is the running of Amaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king, and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young, is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside. And stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. Behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would God had I died for thee. O Absalom, my son, my son. That's a lot of reading. (laughs) May God add a blessing to the reading of his word, because I'm going to tell you something. This is uh, some beautiful stuff here. Uh, but going back through this story, some things that jump out at me. Uh, if you know David's story, what was talking about before, about his sin, how the sword would never depart from his house, and you know a little bit of Absalom's story, uh, how he killed Amnon, his brother. Uh, you know, he'd been cast or an outcast for two years. Then David let him come back. He said he can come back in town, but he's not coming to my house. So Joab brought him back. But Absalom set his heart to take David's kingdom. And uh, that was Absalom's plan. David had a plan to protect his kingdom, but God had a plan. And if you will look over at uh, chapter 17, one verse there, chapter 17 and verse 14. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai, the archai, is better than the council of Ahithophel. For the Lord... Now, this is what I want you to catch. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. So I want you to think about Absalom having a plan, David having a plan, but God had a plan. Now, to get just a little bit into the backstory, story, and it's hard to get all this out in a timely manner, but but I, I want you to get the, the gravity of the story. Uh, Ahithophel... Uh, when Absalom tried to take over, followed followed Absalom, and uh, he was a very smart man. He was one of David's commanders before David, you know, left out the first time. But when David left, and uh, when they kind of split off right there, David sent Hushai back, kind of like a spy to be be back there, and and Absalom learned to trust him. Uh, and when Absalom decided to come against his his father to take his kingdom, what better way to do it than get advice from his commander? Ahithophel to start with. That's who he trusted the most. And when Ahithophel gave him his counsel, um, he went to Hushai and also asked Hushai. Well, Hushai was David's man that he left back there. So that's what it's talking about here when he said, you know, that Hushai's uh, advice would be or." Uh, Council would be better than than Ahithophel's. So that's a little bit of the backstory, and you got to see how God is working in every bit of this. Uh, verses one through five, you see David uh, insist on going to battle. Uh, you know, it was like, let me go with you, but the people told him, said, "No, you stay here." So as everyone was leaving there, in verse. Uh, Verse 5, And the king commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning this. So when, as they were leaving to go out to battle, David looked at his, his three main guys there and he said, Don't hurt my son. No matter what Absalom had done, no matter what Absalom was doing, David still loved him. comparison no matter what we have done no matter what we're doing God still loves us and he don't forsake us it didn't change his love for his son now verses 6 through 8 you see this huge battle ensue across all the countryside in the woods of Ephraim Uh, this was also known as Gilead It was where the battle of Gideon and the Midianites was fought. And Preacher Bill and and Justin had both talked about Elijah the Tishbite. This is where Elijah was from. uh, was the wood of Ephraim. Uh, But in verse 8, I want you to take notice there. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. In different translation, wood is the forest. We know we serve a God that is sovereign over all of nature, not just mankind, but over all of nature. Yeah. And as all this battle had spread out, the woods devoured more men that day than the sword did. That's an interesting thought. But then, when you come to how Absalom died, how's Absalom die? Circumstance, chance he's riding down through there verse 9 and Absalom met the servants of David and Absalom rode upon a mule and the mule went under thick boughs of a great oak and his head caught hold of the oak and was taken up between heaven and the earth anybody here ever ride horses (laughs) I used to have one as fast as grease lightning me and Chris got to racing one day I was going out under some pine trees and pine cone about like that caught me right center of the head took me slap out of the saddle Can you imagine Absalom riding down through there, through the woods? Now, he was known for his hair. And, you know, in a lot of different scripture here back through 2 Samuel, it talks about how long his hair was, how they would cut his hair, and it weighed the same weight of 30 shekels, you know. So he had all this hair. So we'd like to think his hair got caught. But the way it explains it here, it's like he's riding his mule through the woods, and he comes up on an oak, and his neck catches fast right in the oak. Coincidence, no, no. Why? Because if we go back to verse 17, or verse 14 there in chapter 17, God had a plan. And Absalom met the servants, David, and Absalom rode upon the mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold in the oak, and was taken up between the heaven and earth. So he's just hanging there. Along comes one of David's men, or Joab's men, and he sees him but he didn't do anything. He goes back and tells Joab. Well, Joab, if you study a little bit, you'll find out Joab was a scoundrel. He was a great leader, great military leader, but he was a scoundrel too. Uh, Later on, you'll see what happens to Joab. But uh, So when he goes to Joab and he tells him, Joab said, well, why didn't you kill him? And the man said, no. He said, I heard what David told you. And if I was to kill him, I doubt you're going to stand up for me. Now, we know what David does to anybody that would touch the anointed of the Lord. What did he do to the guy that said he finished off Saul? Thought he was doing David a favor. But what did David do? David killed him. Then this guy didn't forget that. So I want you to think about that. Joab said unto the man, told him, Behold, thou sawest him, and thou smite him to the ground, and I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. I'd give you a belt, awarded you ten shekels of silver. And he said, No, I wouldn't have done that. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand, which would have been like a spear or a javelin, and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. So while Absalom was hanging by his neck up in this oak, Joab goes over and thrusts three spears or three darts through him. And when he falls to the ground, ten young men bear the, that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote him. And Joab blew the trumpet. It means the battle's over. And people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. They took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood. And laid a very great heap of stones. Now, it tells you here that before this battle even happened, that Absalom in his lifetime had taken him a place in what they call the, the Valley of Kings or the King's Dale and made this great big pillar kind of as a monument to himself. But his pride, where did it wind him up? Laying in the woods in a deep pit covered up with rocks. When you get down to verse 19 there, it gets to the story of the messengers. And verse nine, or from verse nineteen to verse thirty-two, it seems like the story shifts from David and Absalom to this story about the messengers. And if you look at what happened with the messengers and and kind of think on it, study on it, uh, you, you see some comparison, some contrast in it as well. Uh, so Amaz is jumping at at the bits ready to go I want to go tell the news I want to go tell the news and Joab's like no you're not going to tell him no news today he knew that David was going to be upset so he appoints Cushai who really didn't have a dog in the fight it wouldn't have any importance to go tell David but even after Cushai leaves Amaz still jumping at bits I want to go I want to go and finally Joab got tired of hearing it and he said go on so when they get down there Amaz gets our first because he outruns Cushai. and Let's go to that right there. And Amaz called and said unto the king, All is well. This is verse 28. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up, delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. So Amaz thinks he's telling him a lot of good news. And the king said, "Is the young man Absalom safe?" David wasn't worried about anything else but one thing—the million-dollar question: "How's my boy doing?" Amas wouldn't tell him. And then along comes Cushai, and the king said unto him, "He, he well, he tells Amas, turn aside and stand here, and he t- stood aside or turned aside and stood still. And Cushai came along." And notice how Cushai gives, this, uh, gives the news. He does it without saying Absalom's dead. But in so many words, he tells him the truth. Cushai came and Cushai said, "Tidings, my lord, the king, for the lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee, all them. And the king said unto Cushai, same question. Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, the enemies of my lord, the king, and all that ri- all, there's that word again, that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. Ahimaaz has had some good news. There was some deliverance. David had been delivered from his enemies. How many people stand today and talk about the good news but don't want to tell you the bad news? How can you understand the good news if you don't understand the bad news? There is no understanding. It don't mean as much to you. So think on those things. What's the good news? good news is Jesus Christ. The bad news is we're sinners bound for hell. Nobody wants to talk about that. It said the word is a double-edged sword. It means it has got two edges. When you see a sword used in battle, is it not used for offense and defense? Both sides cut, don't they? There's good and there's bad. But we can't see the bad or see the good unless we understand what the bad is. So after all that, we get down to verse 33. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would God had I died for thee. O oh, my son Absalom, my son. I want you to think about David's grief, his guilt over everything that had happened. He knows in this instant that everything that's happened, he's guilty because he's brought every bit of all this himself. All these things that have happened, were consequences of his sin think about his inability to reconcile his relation with his son relationship told him for two years said you can come back in but you can't come in my house and we had aught in our heart against any of our loved ones in that way there's coming a day we're all going to cross that bridge we're going to die Bible says, not, let not the sun go down on a wrath. We promised tomorrow. Amen. What you think on that? His separation from Absalom was his choice. I want you to think about a separation here. What did Christ say on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm going to tie that in in just a minute. David's inability to die for who he loved. What does he say there in 33? Oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would God had I died for thee. David's a great king, but that's one thing he couldn't do. But his greater son, he could do when he died for us. David was a man after God's own heart, a king who sought to serve God and rule under God's authority in every, mean, in every manner, but yet failed, then was restored by God alone. Think about Absalom, Galatians 6, verse 28, we sow and we reap. On Absalom's part, he reaped what he sowed. Uh, when he killed Amnon, because he wanted to take vengeance, for his sister, tomorrow he killed out of vengeance, and it come back to get it. This story points to us points us to Christian or to Christ in many ways. David's love for his son could not and would not displace justice, because the justice was ordained by God. When you go back to verse fourteen of chapter seventeen, God had a plan. Justice had to happen, just like in our life, our sinful life. We're going to stand before a just and holy God one day. And there's only one way, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, that he be our Lord and Savior to escape the punishment, to escape that justice. David needed deliverance from his enemy, but it required death. Just as our deliverance required death, too. And what Christ done on the cross. Praise God for that. Today, God's love for us will not thwart his justice. He is a just and holy God. And when we stand before him, justice will be served because the wage of sin is death. And if we've not surrendered to him, if we've not called out to him in repentance and faith, we're going to meet that wrath of God. We're going to meet justice. If you're sitting here tonight and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, you might ask, How can I be covered by this blood? It's surrender. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin and death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you don't know this hope we're talking about, Mark 1, verse 15, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Two things. That's the commandment tonight. That's commanded Yesterday it be the commandment tomorrow. If you don't know the Lord, repent and believe. But it talks about the kingdom of God. Can you turn over real quick? This is the last thing Daniel 2 and verse 44. And I thought I had it marked. Here it is. This kingdom of God and eternal life. And here in Daniel 2, you see them talking about uh, the four kingdoms represented in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. I think all of them was uh, Babylon. You may have to help with this. The, Pito, uh, the Median Persian, the Greek, and the Roman. But talking about those kingdoms, there's, there's a kingdom coming. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Here's that kingdom to come which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. That's the kingdom of God. The only way into that kingdom is through Jesus Christ. He's a mediator. If you don't know him tonight, there's only one commandment. One one cry, one plea. One thing that anybody that's a Christian right here can say to you, and that's repent and believe. Surrender your life. I love you all night. Like I said, this, just going through these scriptures, uh, finding Jesus, because it's about him anyway. It's all about him. But death, deliverance, justice, love, the messengers, how are we to disciple the good news, the bad news? People need to know the truth, not just part of the truth. We can't be like Amaz and just tell them part of the truth, good news. We'll never understand the good news without knowing the bad news. That's all i got tonight. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.